0: Opening up episode 263 of Monster Kid Radio with a song from the band Los Misterios. It is from their self-titled EP. The song is called Hiten Nud, and it is opening up this episode of the podcast devoted to the classic, and sometimes not so classic, genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm excited to have you along, not just because it's a cool song, but because we're also talking about a really cool movie. We're going to be talking about 1933's. The Invisible Man, and we're going to be talking about it with a pretty cool podcaster, a gentleman by the name of Freddie Morris. He's been podcasting for years. I'm not going to tell you how long because that comes up later in the conversation. What also comes up in the conversation that I have with Freddie is that he's one of the guys who helped put me on my path as a podcaster. If it wasn't for him, I don't think I'd be the podcaster that I am today, and I'll get into that with Freddie during our conversation. I don't want to lay it on too thick just yet. Also, in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what's coming up with Dorado Films, First Line Films, and Cadisi International. Yeah, most of the output from these three companies is outside of the wheelhouse for Monster Kid Radio, and that most of those films come from the 70s and 80s. There are some 60s, and it's not all horror movies or monster movies. There's spaghetti westerns, some other cult films, giallos, thrillers, adventure movies, pirate films, that sort of thing. But it's related because I work for them. And I've got some exciting news to share with you about Dorado Films. And you know what? Why don't we just go ahead and dive into that right after this?
1: An enemy spy at large, an invisible man. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> oh, you will be of great help to us. Who is this
2: terrifying Phantom Commando? What is his amazing mission? See The Invisible Agent, suggested by H.G. Wells' Invisible Man, starring Elona Massey and John Hall, with Peter Lorre, Sir Cedric Hardwick, J. Edward Bromberg, Albert Basserman, in the most amazing story of our times. Stop! Get him now. Don't let him get away.
3: Achoo! Gazunta? Who is there?
1: How did you know I was going to England? I didn't, but... So but the I... trap was all set, eh? Oh,
4: Frank, how can you talk like that? Well, oh. oh, what's this? Sir? It's full of hooks, sir!
2: Oh, they're tearing into me!
3: Thripio, Loki, Mace Windu,
5: Dr. Bruce Banner,
3: Captain Rex, Venom, Princess Leia, Jean Grey, Darth Maul, Nick Fury, Grand Moff Tarkin,
5: Captain America,
3: Lando Calrissian, Cyclops. What do all these characters have in common? Well, two of them were played by Samuel L. Jackson.
5: A couple of them were played by Hammer Films veterans Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee.
3: Come on guys, you know this. Well, of course we do, Jessica. Just like Mickey Mouse and Captain Jack Sparrow, they're all now Disney characters. Hello, I'm Tracy of the Disney Indiana Podcast, and my co-host Scott and I enjoy talking about all aspects of the House of Mouse, and that includes their newest properties, Marvel and LucasArts.
5: We also talk about Disney resorts, the cruise line, theme parks, and whatever else Mickey has to offer
3: which includes movies, imagineering, video games, and collectibles. You'll never know what we'll decide to talk about.
5: So check us out at www.disneyindiana.com or do a search for the Disney Indiana podcast on iTunes, because now we've got a lot more to talk about.
3: And don't forget about those other quote-unquote Disney characters like, well, Sully,
5: Fozzie Bear,
3: Buzz Lightyear,
5: Link Hogthrob, Doug, Janice,
3: Merida, Pepe, Bruce,
5: Ralph the Dog, Wally, Dr. The Disney Indiana
3: Podcast. Even after five years, we're still miles away from the nearest Main Street, USA. We're not listed on the map, but you can join us at www.disneyindiana.com.
1: murder, or two, or three, or nine. Who's this? Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to meet a dear friend. Nine killed you. Nine shall die. Your wife, no vibes. But you I will kill. But you can't, Doctor. I am already
4: dead. Here, how are we going to get him off this? You take his head and I'll take his feet. Let's unscrew him.
1: Dr. Vibes, who samples the finer things of life. In his own inimitable way. A curse of boils, of bats, frogs, Uh, frogs, yes, and a curse of blood. Curse of hail in the bloody middle of nowhere. Are you ready for Doctor Five?
4: Here he is. Watch out, for here is a superhuman with the strength of a hundred men. No one and nothing seems able to stop him. Invincible, invulnerable. Cargo man, the fantastic Superman But even he had his Achilles heel, a beautiful woman's kiss
1: Kill each
6: other, kill each other
4: The fantastic Superman. Kill each other. A man gifted with such extraordinary powers that ordinary men were helpless to cope with him. Everyone and everything was pitted against him. From hired killers to the most diabolical inventions of modern science. most beautiful women vied for his favors or the chance to kill him. Kill each other. Man, the fantastic Superman. Here is a picture which will take you on a journey out of time, carry you on a crest of thrills and laughter from start to finish. Be sure to see this Superman power. miss it
0: several months ago we soft launched the dorado films podcast well we listened to your feedback we took some notes we're making some changes and we are going to get that show off the ground in earnest here within the next few weeks and if i have anything to say about it within a week What are we going to be talking about on the Dorado Films podcast? Well, first of all, I'm going to be re-airing the interview that I had with actor Roger Brown, the man who wore the suit in the fantastic Argo Man. He wore other costumes and was in other movies, but, I mean, it's Argo Man. You can't top that, right? Anyway, I'll be replaying that interview. Also, I have interviews with Enid Caputo, the vice president of Dorado Films, and author Troy Howarth. He's the man behind books like Splintered Visions, Lucio Fulci, and his films, and we're going to be talking with him because Mondo Macabro released Lizard in a Woman's Skin on Blu-ray, and that's one of our films. We license it to them, so we're going to talk about that as well. I've got a few other plans in the work for future episodes, a few other people that I've reached out to that I'd like to have on the show. The Dorado Films Podcast will give me an opportunity to explore some of these other films, these other genres that I don't get to here on Monster Kid Radio, and rightly so. They're very different, so we're going to have the separate show talking about that. However, I don't mind talking about the launch of that show and some of the news coming from Dorado Films like three new DVD releases that we are releasing in-house. Now, these are Spanish language releases only, coming out from Cadisi International. We got Robert Woods in the pirate film El Casario. I've got the action thriller El Clan de los Morales, and then one that I'm very excited about. It's a Spanish film, it's a thriller, it's a horror movie. It's Emma, starring Susanna East. What an opportunity to work on at least one of these DVDs and some of the cover art and that sort of thing, and I'm excited for these to come out for the Spanish language market. So if you speak Spanish, if you know anybody who speaks Spanish, if you're into these kinds of movies, stay tuned, well, to here, and DoradoFilms.com to learn more about these and how you can get your hands on them. Now, Dorado Films also has a Roku channel. We also have a YouTube page, so we have a lot of material online and on Roku. And we have a Facebook page. I'm going to ask you to look up the Dorado Films Facebook page, give it a like, and then check out some of the recent posts because we are running some informal polls right now gauging potential customer interest on some other potential upcoming releases. And specifically what's caught my eye are some of the horror movies that are in our library that we might be able to put out on a higher quality DVD. And some of these movies have never been released on DVD. I'm talking about movies like, and I'm going to mispronounce this. I've been trying to get it straight because I love this movie, even though I can't speak the language. The You know what? Just go look it up on the Dorado Films Facebook page. We get enough people interested in buying these movies down the line, then some resources can be put toward putting these on higher quality DVDs with English subtitles. That's what I'm pushing for, especially for the movie that I just mentioned, because it's really neat. In fact, the music that you're hearing right now comes directly from that film. It's an anthology movie. It's a collection of supernatural stories. It's kind of a combination between Twilight Zone and a little bit of Exorcist. I'm not kidding. There's some pretty intense stuff going on in some of the stories. And some of it's just kind of spooky. It's really cool. I want to see this come out. But if you want to see it come out, again, the Dorado Films Facebook page is where you can let the powers that be at Dorado know. Thanks for indulging me as I talked a little bit about Dorado. Remember that Dorado Films is your home for European gold from the silver screen. We've got big plans for
4: 2016. Trapped. 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 (laughs) (laughs) They're trapped in a whirlpool
1: of shrieking fear. From the most fiendish idea ever conceived by the human brain. The brainiac. And it has a friend. She was beautiful, desirable, and not altogether human.
4: The curse of the crying women. Together they will
5: trap you in a world of horror. But if you live through it... (laughs) You will
4: never forget The Brainiac and the Curse of the Crying Women
1: At this lonely crossroad in the Carpathian Mountains Four travelers find themselves abandoned at nightfall By a local coach driver Who was afraid to go any further
6: There's no driver
1: A coach with horses that knew the way A table laid for four. Was this kindly hospitality? Isn't your master joining us for dinner? No, sir. I'm afraid not. Is he indisposed? He's dead. Why should a dead man be interested in entertaining guests? (laughs) Dracula, Prince of Darkness, King of the Vampires. For ten years, his mortal remains were cherished by his faithful servant, awaiting the opportunity and a victim to provide the life force for the reincarnation of Dracula. A strange premonition warns the guests at Castle Dracula that their host is ready to receive them. I must kill him. He is already dead. He is undead, Mr. Kent. He can be destroyed, but not killed. don't
0: need, Charles. I'd like to welcome to Monster Kid Radio, somebody I've never had on the show before, but somebody I've wanted to have on the show for a very, very long time. He's one of the first people I reached out to. His name is Freddie Morris, and he's been podcasting for – it's been 10 years now. In 2006, he and his crew launched Night of the Living podcast, and finally he's here on Monster Kid Radio. Freddie, welcome to the show.
5: Hey, Derek. It's long overdue,
0: buddy. It is so <laughs> long overdue. And I've said this before in various panels, various events, and I want to say this now to you on the show. When I first started podcasting, there were a few people that I reached out to for some help, for some assistance. Andy from Destroy the Brain was one of them. F13 from Cinema Diabolica was one of them. And Freddie, you were the third. And I got to say, if it wasn't for your encouragement and your advice, I wouldn't be here today, man. Oh, that's awesome, man. I'm glad to hear it. Happy to help. Thank you so much for everything that you've done for me (laughs) and for the podcasting community. You've always been helpful to everybody out there who is looking for advice, help, friendship, companionship, and I don't know, somebody to cuddle with. (laughs)
5: well can i say i'm a big bear
0: well you know (laughs) now before we dive into the movie that we're going to talk about we have a game that we have on monster kid radio called the classic five so i've got a deck of cards Uh Uh, these cards each contain a yes or no this or that style type question regarding classic monster movies so i'm going to shuffle this deck i'm going to draw some cards i'm going to ask you some questions kind of break the ice and introduce you to the listeners
5: sounds good all right so
0: let me one last shuffle these questions were written mostly by me, and then Scott Morris, uh, your kind of sort of cousin from Disney, Indiana, <laughs> yeah, uh, contributed I contributed a few as well. All right, here we go. Card number one. Which movie do you prefer, The Last Man on Earth or The Last Woman on Earth? The
5: Last Man on Earth.
0: Well, I mean, come on, Vincent Price, right?
5: <laughs> yeah, I love Vincent Price.
0: Here's another this or that style question. The movies are Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea or Voyage to the Prehistoric Planet? Uh
5: prehistoric planet. Yeah. Yeah, just, you know, dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm simple. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, wow. I remember a long time ago, you guys did an episode on this, I'll say film, story. Favorite actor to play the Phantom of the Opera?
5: Oh, God. I love Claude Rains, you know, who I want to say did that... In the, what was it, the later remake, late 40s? Was that? 40s, 50s? yeah. I think it was 40s. 40s? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um I'm just a sucker for Claude Rains, even though I know Lon Chaney is kind of like the epitome of that. Mm-hmm. But I, I just love Claude Rains too much. He's too quirky for me not to get behind him.
0: No, he's great. I mean, although I think that movie, I would have loved that movie a little bit more of Lon Chaney Jr., actually. Had a chance to play him just for the legacy part of it? That would have been a little weird. <laughs> yeah.
5: yeah? I mean, it would have been neat to, yeah, like you're saying, for the legacy, but Lon Chaney Jr.'s body
0: type? <laughs> That's true. Different body type completely. I can't imagine him being all ninja-like running around the opera house.
5: Huh? Right. <laughs> but no
0: offense to Lon. Love my Lon. But... What character from a classic monster movie would you want as an action figure? I kind of have a
5: few, thanks to the – is it Reaction, where they put oh. out the, the universal – uh, in the style of the old Kenner toys.
0: Oh, those are great.
5: They are great. From a classic monster movie action figure. Oh, Lord. Oh, that's such a tough question, Derek. You're <laughs> killing me with that one. Um, I mean, and it's something that's not already out there, right?
0: Oh, it should be one that's already out there. Sure. Why not? Um, you can always have more than one.
5: What about, uh, Richard Dreyfus, uh, his hooper from Jaws? <laughs> he could come with a little bottle of wine and like, uh, you know, like he's showing up at Sheriff Brody's house for dinner.
0: <laughs> the Night at the Brody's variant?
5: Yeah. Here we go. <laughs>
0: all right. Here we go. Uh, okay, last card. What is your go-to film to introduce someone to classic monster movies? To classics? Mm-hmm. And when I think
5: of classics, I think of Universal, so I always go with one of those. Um, it used to be just Frankenstein for me. As all, it used to be my absolute favorite. It's kind of neck and neck with what we're talking about later in the show. Which I'm sure it's on the show art, so it's no spoiler to say that we're going to discuss the Visible Man, the Invisible Man, not the Visible Man. That'd be a dull movie. But uh, <laughs> I, I I love James Whale. I, I I think I'd still lean on Frankenstein because I think that is the um, quintessential monster movie. So I I definitely would go with that. Other than that, I really like the Frank Langella Dracula.
0: Wow. I haven't thought about that one in a while.
5: Yeah, I really enjoy that. I think that's more of like if somebody is a little leery about black and white cinema, which some people for some reason are real hesitant mm-hmm. <laughs> to watch a black and white movie. I don't know why. But um but if I had to, you know, compromise and give them something that's a little more modern, I'd go with that.
0: Yeah. I, I think I've listened to that soundtrack more than I've seen the film. I think John Williams did the score to that, didn't he?
5: Oh, did he you know, I don't know. That's I a good question. So. See, now I gotta rewatch it.
0: Darn. <laughs> life's hard <laughs> I know right oh <laughs> well, thank you for playing the classic five it's it's something that one of these days I'm going to make available online and people can see the questions and play along or whatever but for now it's something that we do here on the show so thank you for doing that it's really fun and you mentioned Claude rains and you mentioned yeah. the movie the invisible man so when I reached out to you man it must have been right when I first launched monster kid radio it's been years we've been circling each other trying to get on here <laughs> it really has that's crazy how time just appeared Says the guy who's been podcasting for 10 years. Yeah.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Bandages right up
2: to the top of his head, all around his ears.
1: Flora's worried about Griffin.
2: I had a terrible feeling last night. I felt he was in desperate trouble.
1: He meddled in things men should leave alone.
6: Not the slightest clue. That's where the clues are. He wasn't leaving anything to chance.
2: There must be a way back. Ah! God knows there's a way back. How you going to help! Ah! If only if you just
1: leave me alone.
4: It's the stranger with the goggles. He's gone mad.
1: You're
4: crazy
1: to know who I am, aren't you? All right, I'll show you. <laughs> it me your madness when you're peering through the keyholes and gaping through the curtains. And now you'll suffer for it. But why? Why do it, Griffin? Just a scientific experiment at first, to do something no other men in the world had done. Suddenly I realized the power I held, the power to rule, to make the world corroborate my feet. You know who the invisible man is, Doctor. Where is Doctor Griffin? What's the good of concealing it?
2: Oh, come and stay with us. Let's fight this thing out together.
1: Police, quickly! The invisible man is in my house. He's mad. He's killed a man tonight. Believe me, as surely as the moon will set and the sun will rise, I shall kill you tomorrow night. The secret of invisibility lies there in my books. Don't you see what it means? Power. Power to walk into the gold vaults of the nations. Into the secrets of kings. Into the holy of holies. <laughs> squealing in terror at the touch of my little invisible finger. Even the moon's frightened of me. The whole world's frightened to death. I'll lay traps that even an invisible man can't pass. Radio stations
0: now. Watch the wall. Help! Help! He's here!
4: He's here! <laughs> here we go gathering nuts and may on a cold and frosty morning.
0: When we first started talking about this, you said you wanted to do The Invisible Man. So I've been sitting on that one. I've been like, okay, if somebody else wants to talk about that, nope, sorry, it's spoken for. But since it's spoken for, we might as well get Freddie on here eventually to do it. Yeah. So, so finally, we're going to do The Invisible Man here with Freddie Morris. And, you know, I hadn't seen it in a while. When was the last time you saw it?
5: Uh, you mean prior to rewatching it for yeah. the show? About a year. This is one I, I, I had revisited. We, we had done a show on it and, And when we did our show, because we did like a series of Universal Monsters and we got to Mm -hmm. that, I was like, I have to reconsider. That's what made me reconsider whether Frankenstein was my favorite Universal Monsters movie, because on a rewatch of The Invisible Man, I just kind of fell in love with it. All over again and in in more intensely than I had ever before, I picked up on a lot of little details and I appreciated some aspects of the performances and the effects that I didn't like have an appreciation or an understanding of when I was basically a teenager. I think the first time I saw it. Okay. So, um, I didn't have the, uh, I guess the education to understand why it was so great. And now that that's kind of, you know, in my subconscious after years and years of watching tons of classic horror movies. When you come back to it with that knowledge, you realize like how tight that movie is. Like, There's no wasted shots. It's over the top, in a really great way, it works as a comedy, it works as a science fiction movie, works as a horror movie. When I came back to it, I started, now I think I feel like I want to revisit it more frequently. So I think it was about a year ago that I watched it again.
0: I think I've spent more time with the quote-unquote sequels from this franchise than this movie itself, and I don't know why that is. Uh, Maybe because Vincent Price is in the second one, and I love his voice. But I haven't seen this one in a while myself. And I was taken by, like you said, the the comedy and the different elements here. It really does get a little over the top, but never too much for me. Right, yeah. I feel feel like James Whale really had his hand on what he was doing here. Does that make sense?
5: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and kind of, you know, I think there's some camp value. Oh, sure. In it, like especially Una O'Connor, who plays um, Jenny I can't remember the character's <laughs> last name, but her and her husband run the lion's head in. Mm-hmm. That character, I mean, she was in Bride of Frankenstein too, basically playing the same character. Yep. But um I, I just, I love his use of that character in this film. I can't help but think that he knew exactly how funny, when he was being funny, I think Whale knew what played his comedy, and he really knew how to to execute that and put it into a scene. And then when he had to turn the character around to becoming very dark and, and dangerous he he also knew that i would say there's like a, an amount of glee i think we wouldn't have like freddy krueger without the invisible man because he's like the first wisecracking monster movie uh monster movie movie monster again it's early right uh <laughs> <laughs> it was like the first time i think there was a lot of deliberate humor brought into the horror genre
0: yeah i was when i was watching it uh, actually just last night to prep for this i was taken by the wisecracks and i thought you know I'm always saying and backing people up who say that the mummy movies are kind of like the pre-slashers, but I see yeah. a lot of what would eventually become Nightmare on Elm Street, that style, maybe a little bit of Saw, Dr. Fives, all of that. I could see having some roots in this.
5: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And it's it's interesting. It's fascinating that it was all kind of there. And I don't remember The Invisible Man being that vicious, but man, he is – he's a killer.
5: Well, yeah, you don't mess around with monocane as we learn, right? Yeah, well, like, uh, monocane is this fictional poison. I, I've noticed that, like, it's funny that, you know, you have monocaine in this. And I've always wondered if Iocaine powder was somehow in you know, The Princess Bride <laughs> was inspired by this. Because, you know, they say basically in high enough levels, I guess, it, it, it's deadly. But, it, it, you know, when you take it and you mix it with other stuff, it eventually just makes you go crazy. And I think it, it was in the, the movie and not the book where they talk about injecting it into a dog and the dog turned completely white right and then the dog went mad as a matter of fact i don't even know if mona Cain is in the book at all but in the movie that's basically what he he doesn't realize because he doesn't have this german version of a text on these floral components of chemicals that he was reading the english version and the english version only mentions like the good stuff about how it can make something match its background and make you basically a chameleon but the German version reveals that this dog went mad and, and basically he's becoming a mad dog. And as he, the combination of the power of being an invisible man and the toxicity of the monocane just builds in his system and he becomes this maniacal figure. And the only time you see him kind of dial that back is when, um, his love interest, I can't remember the character's name, but it's the lady from Titanic who had the art <laughs> of the ocean.
0: <laughs> Flora.
5: Flora. Thank you. Flower. Flora. Yeah, that's that's how I remember. Because it, it's funny how Monica like comes from a flower and his ah. love interest is Flora and all this. And there's like the two sides of this thing. I think about the invisible man a lot. <laughs>
0: yeah, nothing wrong with that. That's
5: what we do. <laughs> yeah. So um, she kind of anchors him somewhat. And whereas his nemesis, Kemp, I think, is the guy who's trying to get with Flora behind yeah. his back, <laughs> uh, who, who is this like dirtbag compatriot of his or contemporary of his, who's a, I guess, like a sulliary to, uh, his Mozart is trying to get with her, but he's also kind of a weasel and he, he almost tries to side with the invisible man. An offer to be his henchman if it means he'll survive this whole scenario. Right. So he's not a very like brave or heroic character, but he, in a way, he's kind of meant to be the foil to the villain in the movie.
0: He is a sniveling kind of guy, especially towards the end there when he knows, all right, I'm on my way out. I, I gotta, I gotta do everything I can. I gotta say anything I can to get away from this. But you know, by the time he, he gets run off the road, he kind of deserves it. I feel like there's this <laughs> kind of, there's this like, well, you know, you made your bed, Kemp, and uh, yeah, the Invisible Man's crazy, but... You don't mess with this woman. No.
5: As it turns out. <laughs> no.
0: Um, oh, well. Yeah, Kemp. Uh, you know, I'm, I was kind of taken by his performance. The actor's name William Harrigan. I don't know much about him, but I, I really just, even though he's a sniveling kind of guy, I enjoyed watching him. Yeah. And I want to oh, know yeah. more about him. He's got a great profile. He does. In that scene where he's he's really
5: pushing it with Flora when she's like heartbroken and wondering where her, her boyfriend is and she's in a real bad place and he's like why won't you go out with me <laughs> you know i feel like what timing man what a twerp i hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even wait for the invisible man's bones to turn up or
0: anything he's just hitting on her day one Dude, this is at the very beginning before we've seen the invisible man really start killing people i mean for all we know the invisible man's a victim in all of this and yeah come on man Right. (laughs) Because your timing is awful. You know, we're talking about performances a little bit. we got to talk about Claude Riggins, especially since you brought him up earlier. Yeah.
5: Wow. Yeah, isn't it funny that they, when they saw his screen test or some previous footage, like people from the studio said, we can't hire this guy. He's a terrible actor, which I don't get. I mean, because, you know, acting, the, the whole technique and presentation of acting has changed so much. Since 1933, like what is considered over the top now may have been, you know, uh, in the silent film era, which this isn't too far out of would have been considered fine. But, you know, if you saw somebody on a modern in a modern film emoting and throwing themselves around a set in that way, uh, like they did in silent films, you'd be like, oh, my God, that person's terrible. But back then it functioned in that medium because they needed to be bigger visually because they had no sound. And right. then by the time they started making, you know, talkies and they make the Invisible Man, you bring Claude Rains in. he In a way, he's kind of one of those transitional actors where, you know, like in our generation, we have like Christopher Walken, who when he first turns up, people are like, this guy's really weird. His delivery is weird. He doesn't finish his sentences in the same places as regular people. His cadence is strange. And I think with Claude Rains, it was the same thing when they made this movie. Like, it seems like, and I don't have any way of knowing this perspective. I'm too young. To have seen this happen, you know, in real time, so I don't know, but I feel like he was one of those transitional actors that kind of brought around this type of performance, and I just think they didn't get it, you know, when they first saw him. When they they very very nearly cast Colin Clive, I think, right, the the guy who played Doctor Frankenstein. Well,
0: I know at one point Karloff was being looked at as well, and uh, yeah, at least, and that's, and I can't imagine anybody other than Claude Rains doing this just because of the voice alone. I mean, that laughter that he has. Yeah, great. I, can't, I can't hear Karloff doing that. I can't hear anybody else doing that. And
5: there's something to be said for the fact that the big universal monsters were each played by, you know, in their original incarnations, at least were played by different actors. It kind of creates this like um Fab Five kind of thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> which I think is really cool. Just I, I love that they each brought their own thing to it. You know, Lugosi and Karloff and Reigns. And, uh, you know, you don't nobody ever gives a creature a lot of credit because it's a man in a suit.
0: <laughs> oh, come on now, though.
5: Come yeah, on now. The creature's great. Yeah. But the like, holy yeah. ground here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, nobody when you think of like the, the big the big ones, you know, you got Lon Chaney Jr. You could just imagine these guys sitting around the bar. Basically, trying to one up each other. I like to think of it that way. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I'm going to have a little bit of bleed over with Karloff doing the mummy, but uh, I mean, really, yeah, you're right. I mean, the big guns, you know, see yeah. Karloff, Chaney, all of them. And I would put Reigns in there for this. I mean, I know he turns up in The Wolfman as well, but I think this is going to be my go to universal performance for him, even though this is his first American feature film. I mean, he is on top of his game.
5: Yeah, and I think, like, didn't they say, like, this is the only, this is actually his very first film appearance that isn't like a lost film i think his first appearance you can't even find anywhere it was destroyed oh wow yeah so um so i think that that is really you know neat to think that this guy came in uh made the name for himself with the invisible man despite the fact that you know he was not um again not well received by the studio i think whale always knew what he was doing and then later you know he he ends up in uh casablanca And I love Casablanca is another one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it's fantastic. He's one of those guys that, you know, he came out left. It's an under, kind of an underdog story, really. (laughs) A psychotic murdering
0: (laughs) underdog. Yeah. Just a little bit.
5: Yeah. So, um, although I hear that his, uh, the lead actress who played Flora, I should have names. I feel unprofessional. Gloria Stewart is she, I don't think she liked him. Uh, my understanding is that she, she thought he was kind of like a diva. And that he upstaged her, and and they
0: didn't get along too well.
5: Oh, really? The, who knows? Who knows what the whole story behind that is? But I always find that like old Hollywood gossip really fascinating.
0: As I get older, and the more I get into like the classic monster movies, of course I believe in classic Hollywood itself, and I just absorb it. I, I spend so much time on the weekends looking to see what TCM is going to play, yeah. just, just so I can see hopefully maybe something about. You know, it's a little ten minute introduction here or five minute introduction there to learn more about these movies because it's just fascinating to me.
5: Yeah, it's really cool. Do you um? Can I recommend another podcast to you? Sure. Yeah, hit me. Uh, uh, you may be already be listening to it. it's called you You Must Remember, Remember this. this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that great? Oh, it's
0: fantastic, listeners. If you haven't heard, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's yeah. it's a really good podcast. They get really in depth with some subjects, and it's just fantastic.
5: Yeah, they did a whole series on MGM. Oh, that was I'm good. I'm dying for them to do their own uh, her to do her own series just on Universal.
0: Oh, wouldn't uh, that be amazing?
5: Yeah, because there's a lot of bleed over with MGM uh, with uh, with in the early days of Universal. So I'd like them to get into the especially the monster movies.
0: Oh, it'd be amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. good stuff. So there's a book that I'm reading right now too i'll I'll try to remember the top through audible, so I don't remember the name of it but uh I'll try to remember the name of it before we're done here, so I can recommend it to people Groovy. yeah, uh, let's see here so we we have Flora who's fantastic we have claude rains uh, we we talked a little bit about Kemp,
5: you know another standout performance was um the constable, <laughs> and I think it's e e Clive, but I'm not hundred percent sure if I'm remembering that right there there's something about those London bobby hats, those English police uniforms that It's, it's not the most fear inducing (laughs) like authoritarian (laughs) kind of outfit. It makes you look a little goofy. And I don't know if that's because of like a Keystone Cops thing in my brain or what, but, um, that little chin strap. I mean the guy already has like a double chin and then they like smash a chin strap into it and he has a big walrus mustache. They just let him deliver some of the funniest lines like they're talking about painting the invisible man with spray paint. <laughs> and uh and they're talking about painting the top of the wall around the um around the house so that when the invisible man tries to sneak in and kill Dr. Kemp that night, he'll get paint on him and they're like, "Well, no, we're going to use dirt cuz he'll smell the paint." And the guy's like, yeah, that'll work too. <laughs> and there's just like a funny, like, I don't know. I. It's such a deadpan kind of performance that still plays really great. It, it's almost like something out of The Office or something, you know, out of the sitcom The Office where where he's just like, all right. And it, I don't know. I can't even explain it. If, if the listeners haven't seen this movie, that's worth it just to even see the performances. of. There's a couple of, of deputies in this movie or constables that are really funny. They offer a lot of the comic relief because they have to be like the Washington Generals to um, the Invisible Man's Harlem Globetrotters, you know, uh, where they're basically <laughs> there to get pushed around and made fun of and kicked in the butt and their hats get thrown around, their pants get stolen. I mean, it's pretty great.
0: So we may have just had the very first sports analogy here on Monster Kid Radio just now. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs>
5: I don't know if the, uh, if the Globetrotters count as an actual sport. (laughs) Oh, come on now. That's
0: athletic, you know?
5: It's more like a sideshow. No, wait a
0: minute. Does that mean wrestling's not real either? Uh, I'm not gonna touch that one. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) I I don't know what you mean, though, about the, uh, like the the constables and just the people on the bar, uh, the farmer. They're all a little on the goofy side, but not off-putting. There's a little bit of camp again bleeding into this. Not nearly as much as Uno O'Connor's, but it's just, What's the best way to put it? I, I, I'm trying to encapsulate what I'm thinking, but I'm right there with you. I, I think they're just a little over the top, but not the deadpan performance. You mentioned The Office. Wow, I could totally see somebody like Dwight just hanging out in the background, it's like, "Yeah, you should do that," you know?
5: <laughs> right, yeah. And that's why it's such a good contrast because mm-hmm. most of the characters are playing over the top, but then you get to this like sardonic, slow-speaking, mushmouth constable who works as like a you know everybody else is so high energy in that scene. And he's like, "All right, yeah. <laughs> what? It's <laughs> so great." You know, speaking of the lion's head and the people in that in the in the pub, I want to talk about the pub because I think that's such an awesome set piece. Oh, it is. I tell Amy one of the things that one of the reasons I watch um Amy's my wife for people that don't know, and she does the podcast with me. Um, mm-hmm. one of the reasons I love Universal Monster movies is because the set pieces are so cozy.
0: They're amazing, especially from the '30s.
5: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I I feel like. I
5: just, it's that same feeling I get when I watch like a Harry Potter movie to sound pretentious and say the set is a character. It really is in these movies. And the lion's head, it's such a great set piece. It has these characters that were all based on the, the little town that James Whale grew up in. And, um, it just plays like something out of a storybook. And then later, you know, what do you have like 50 years later? The impact of this scene can be seen like in, uh, in an American werewolf in London, John Landis. Basically tributes this scene with the slaughtered lamb,
4: mm-hmm.
5: where the guys are playing darts when you know the stranger comes in just like in an American werewolf, they all stop and kind of check him out. It's such an iconic scene in cinema. You know, not just horror cinema, but cinema in general, the stranger rolling into town and in the pub.
0: It's a great trope. I love it. You see it in a lot of classic monsters and classic horror mo- or classic film in general, where you've got the stranger coming into the bar. You see it in a lot of hammer films. You see it in so many of these movies. And I love the trope and I love the way they do it here. And I don't know if this is the first time it was done. I mean, it's early here, so I don't, not, <laughs> I don't have my film geek com- hat completely on, but. You know, this is such a great way of introducing the character into this and establishing the differentiation between, you know, the bar, the riffraff and this, this scientist who thinks he's above everything. And yeah, he's already kind of gone a little nuts. I mean, you have to be to walk around naked like that in the snow, but (laughs) I would think so. And that's the one thing that always kind of struck me about this movie and any invisible man movie is, man, I know nobody can see me, but I don't need to be walking around naked. (laughs) (laughs) do <laughs> you know I don't care if i'm invisible or not that that takes
5: a pair so you you would be shy about even if you were invisible you'd still have a little like little concern about being nude huh
0: i i don't know i just you know someone will catch on something when i'm going up the stairs i'm a clumsy guy so yeah I, you know i i need that extra clothing and padding <laughs> you know you take go back to this year and you know they make him invisible
5: which is amazing like using what black velvet oh wow and composite composite filming like uh Double exposure.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: So like, just the fact that they even thought that blows my mind. Somebody's like, you know what we could do? We could just wrap him completely in black velvet, have him do everything against a black velvet background and then just overlay it. I, I don't even get it. It still seems like magic to me. This is like, this is the same year they we had King Kong, right?
0: Oh, so
5: 30, yeah. Yeah. So like King Kong comes out and you have this amazing stop motion. This comes out and you've got the invisible man i think audiences had to be like holy cow this had to be like the advent of like 3d or or color or anything else it's a big year for for uh for genre movies i would say a lot of people i think consider this like the beginning of the modern science fiction movie right
0: yeah i mean i can certainly see a lot of roots here i mean i suppose you can see some of that in frankenstein but this really is when you think about like science fiction horror specifically this one is if not the first kind of the benchmark i think for this era at least
5: you know something that i thought was kind of funny was the invisible man saying he can't go out he's explaining to kemp when he has cornered dr kemp and is like you're going to be my assistant in this we're going to take over the world he's like and if you don't i'm strong and i'll strangle you (laughs) which every time he said i crack up every time i see this movie and he's like i'm strong and i'll strangle you (laughs) so matter of fact And then he just moves on. It's the voice again, too. I mean, anybody other
0: than Claude Rains saying that, it just wouldn't work.
5: Well, it's like, imagine, like, you go into work and someone's giving a PowerPoint presentation. They're trying to convince you that this is, like, the new way you're going to do rubber band storage in the office. And he's like, and this is where (laughs) we're going to put the rubber bands now. You'll do this because I'm strong. And if you don't, I'll strangle you. (laughs) That's (laughs) that's essentially the scene. Then he eats a French fry and he's back at it. And he's like, I can't go back out until an hour after i've eaten because you people will see the food floating around which i thought <laughs> it made me think i'm like so it passes through him and like i don't know how scientifically accurate that is and why they don't just see like a colon floating around full of you know what the food becomes (laughs) you know like where is it does he have to poop it out and then he's invisible i don't know i just uh it brought up a lot of questions for me this time around
0: yeah i I don't know if i want to think about invisible versus visible feces but um (laughs) (laughs) no no you're right and you know i think some invisible man movies did try to tackle that didn't the uh, memoirs of invisible man the carpenter Chevy Chevy chase movie
5: i haven't seen that Oh, my God. I haven't seen that in forever.
0: Yeah, its I don't remember it being very uh, – when it comes to Carpenter's films, I don't remember it being very high on the list. But I do remember there's this bit where he's like, I can only eat clear foods for that very reason.
5: <laughs> it Was was Daryl Hannah in that? Is that right? Was she the lover? Uh, was it Daryl Hannah? Somebody. Uh, I, I can't remember for sure. I, I don't remember. But, uh, I think it was. Well, speaking of Invisible Man and comedies, I'm sure you've seen uh, Amazon Women on the Moon. <laughs> yeah, with Ed Beckley Jr. I think that's probably the Ooh, best yeah. sketch in that movie where they play the, the joke, you know, you watch the invisible man, and you're like, he's naked all the time. Ha ha ha, right? But no one sees him. And then Amazon women on the moon, Ed Bagley Jr., he thinks he's invisible and everybody <laughs> in the lion's head leads him to, they just play along with him, even though he's just. He's acting like, Oh, I've got your hat, but he's just a naked dude running around <laughs> with somebody's hat. And, and another great thing about that movie is they cast Harry Dean Stanton as one of the pub <laughs> people and he looks just like the guy in the invisible man. He looks like he walked right out of that movie. Yeah, he really does. They dress him up and you'll know if you watch, watch them close together, you'll see like, uh, wow, well, Harry Dean Stanton looks just like he could be the same actor. It's like those Nicolas Cage pictures on the internet where he's all throughout
0: history. <laughs> It's very very similar to that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No. It, it's per. He does have that look. Yeah. He, he really, really
5: does. He really does. <laughs> he's he's about a hundred years old now, isn't he? Does he even age? I don't know. He yeah. always looked old to me. Yeah. True. Yeah, uh, I, I looked up some stuff about Monocane because I was really curious. Okay. Because uh, uh, it they, it turned up in Matlock. What on yeah on Matlock in four different episodes it was the poison used to kill somebody. <laughs> it, um, it turned up on Perry Mason. There was a TV movie called "The Doctor Is Out," where it was used for as a poison, and it was used on Diagnosis Murder. Wow. Yeah, and it's referred to in a song by the Blue Oyster Cole called uh, "Transmaniacon MC." So interesting stuff. Wow, also, you know, I recently I was late to the game on Breaking Bad, okay um, which, which have you seen the series? You know I, I haven't
0: I, I know I know what it is, but I, I haven't seen it.
5: as a fan of the Invisible Man, like mm-hmm. when you come to that and you watch that, it's almost the same kind of story, really as, okay. It's a mad scientist story, and I thought that was really neat on this go th- you know we're re-watching the Invisible Man now after I just had seen Breaking Bad last year. Like, we marathon this, the series on Netflix. And, uh, and I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, I, I guess it makes sense to me. Uh, Vince Gilligan, who, who write, I'm pretty sure it's Vince Gilligan who wrote Breaking Bad, used to write for the X Files and is a big classic monster movie fan. I was watching The Invisible Man again and thinking, wow, there was a lot of parallels. And I, I wonder how much of that was a tribute to this movie and to mad scientist films in general, but it, how he goes mad the further he, tinkers with it and becomes a megalomaniac and all this it's really
0: great Huh? not that i need to add anything else to my to watch list but uh, <laughs> you, you may have just bumped breaking bad up a little further so
5: oh it's so clever huh. it, it, it one of the few shows that absolutely lives up to the hype that oh okay i around it i think plus if you're an x-files fan you'll there's well, a lot of there who isn't i mean come on right. really
0: no, <laughs> i don't want to know you if you're not anyway um, <laughs> You know, as far as, you know, I mentioned memoirs of Invisible Man, you mentioned the Amazon Women on the Moon But There have been a handful of other Invisible Man type films. I mean, there was this little franchise that Universal did that they're not super connected. Uh, I think the second one does tie into this one a little bit, but overall, they're kind of all over the place. I don't know if I can think of an Invisible Man movie, though, that I, I will want to go back and watch again over this one. I mean, this one's got the rewatchability for me. Are there any that kind of grab you that make you want to go back and watch? And if, say, The Hollow Man, I think we have to end the call.
5: Well, you, you know, I was actually, <laughs> I've never seen Hollow Man. Okay. Which is one of those things that I always mean to do because I love The Invisible Man. But I, I have heard, you know, mixed reviews. <laughs> so I've never it's gotten not awful. It.
0: I shouldn't be that unfair. It's not awful, but uh, I feel like Kevin Bacon really takes the crazy part, and just that's the only part of the character we get.
5: Oh, you don't get oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of a bummer. It could be a little more nuanced than that. Sure. As far as the sequels go. I I was never impressed. I mean, I do love Vincent Price. Sure. If I were to revisit any of them, it would probably be Abbott and Costello Meet the Invisible Man, just because I really like you know how they use the Invisible Man in that movie to make Lou <laughs> a, a um a boxer,
0: basically. Sure. No, that was yeah. a lot of fun. And what's funny is that Lou used to be a boxer. So to is that have, true? Really? Yeah, he he got into boxing before he got into acting. So to have all that. It's oh, just a great God. scene. It's a fantastic sequence. That's a great film.
5: I can't imagine him being a boxer. And especially with that body type. Well and his cute little face. Like he yeah. just looks like a sweet man.
0: <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh, that's
0: funny. No, that, that well, is a great you. film though. That's a great film. I think it's probably one of the underrated I have in Kisella films.
5: Yeah, yeah, I I love all of those. They're so much fun. And I, I, that's something else I would love to see make a resurgence is like some sort of comedy team. And I know this is probably sacrilege for a lot of hardcore horror fans for me to even say this, but like, uh, I clearly nothing is sacred with the amount of sequels that are being made to these movies. So I don't think it hurts anything for maybe a comedy team to update this idea and have them face off against these bigger characters like Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger and come at it like that, like they did with Abbott and Costello, meet the monsters. But I, it's just such a fun concept.
0: I'm really surprised he didn't. I, I really am. I really thought when they did like the Freddy vs. Jason that that was the, the mashup, and then they were going to move on to doing some comedy. And I'm really surprised nothing really came of that.
5: Right, yeah. Well, you figure Jay and Silent Bob kind of popped up in Scream 3.
0: <laughs> wow, yeah, you're right.
5: And I thought that was like the moment I was like, oh, I see, okay, maybe Kevin Smith is going to start doing... You know, these weird, funny crossover things with those characters, because they kind of, of all the pop culture characters that kind of fit the mold of like an Abbott and Costello style comedy team, I think the most current one would probably be Jay and Silent Bob. Before that, I would say, you know, Farley and Spade, that kind of pairing. Not just because it's a fat man and a little man, but because like, right. you, know, no, you, you just see them getting into these kind of scenarios because mm-hmm. it's all kind of drawn on that same thing. It's like uh, tramping around these different um, – they just kind of get sucked into capers, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: Right. No, I, I – huh. Well, somebody get Kevin Smith on the phone. Tell him we have an idea for him. yeah
5: something tells me he probably already had that idea yeah
0: i'm sure he's not looking for anything new right now i'm sure he's got plenty of ideas on his own (laughs)
5: yeah he's cranking stuff out constantly
0: you talk about like the resurgence and that sort of thing i gotta ask what you think about the idea of the universal relaunch with the the mixing of the monsters because this movie's been announced as being one that they're going to tackle with johnny depp in the role
5: i like the idea of johnny depp i do feel like audiences in general maybe feel like a little depth saturation when it comes to these quirky parts, a little over Yeah, they're over depth. They're out of their depth. Ah, ha ha. Oh, but, uh, you know, I feel like people were kind of getting sick of him, but I, I think that's kind of a slap in the face of the fact that we've been given this great actor who's cranking out these awesome projects and we're sick of them. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? <laughs> we're like, Oh, if I got to see another great Johnny Depp performance in a very quirky over the top, movie that someone had the balls to make i'm gonna puke but i'm like no i, I for me bring it on because you know 40 years from now people are gonna be like wow remember how johnny depp made all these amazing movies we just can't appreciate it now because we're getting too much of him all at once i think you know hmm but that's like an aside <laughs> as far as the universe new universal reboot and how they're kind of Marvel universing it in a way. Um, I love the idea, but I don't feel that they have the strong story core that like a Marvel has. I think they have more in common with what DC is doing, where it's kind of a, a salad hodgepodge situation where a lot of stuff's getting thrown into a bowl. Um, I've heard, I haven't actually seen a single one of the films that are, part of this reboot i don't think unless they include the wolfman with benicio del toro because that was the last remake i saw i think um because they did well they did I F- dracula right well or, dracula
0: untold or, and that's
5: right and, and at Fr- one
0: point they said that was going to be part of it but then it didn't do very well and they're just like oh no we're really going to start with the mummy with tom Cruise. really just forget that one
5: yeah right so, so i i have a high hopes for the mummy i feel like You know, I know a lot of people again don't like Tom Cruise because he's got a strange personal life, but he's a phenomenal actor and I think he has a knack for always picking good projects. I've never seen him like pick something and it be like something I wouldn't want to see. Whoever vets his material, if it's him or if it's some staff of Scientologists in a room somewhere that are going through scripts, I don't know what it is. But they manage to pick winners, I think, every time. If Maybe this will be the first one that's not a winner for me, but I have a feeling that The Mummy is going to be fantastic. And hopefully that will raise interest at Universal and maybe treating this whole concept a little more seriously and bringing in people who care about the original movies and want to make something cohesive and make this – world, you know, this shared universe. I mean, I almost feel like TSR back in the day did a better job of that sort of thing when they made the Ravenloft campaign setting for the Dungeons and Dragons game where they brought in all the universal monsters and they just changed the names and they kind of made this shared universe with them.
0: To be honest here, Freddie, you you brought up Dungeons and Dragons to counteract the sports comment you meant earlier, right?
5: (laughs) Right, right. Now I'm at zero. (laughs) Yeah, so um, but if you've never read any of the Ravenloft? oh books. no i'm
0: very familiar yeah <laughs> yeah
5: they're really fun yeah. yeah um i mean as an adult I, I haven't revisited the material but i just remember really enjoying the game setting and it, it it's one of the things that reinforced my love of classic monster movies was they always had in their game modules and in their game supplements they'd have like recommended viewing and reading lists and it was always back to the classics. If somebody who had that level of respect and um, enthusiasm for the subject matter came along at Universal and took over that kind of – created like a story core group for that, I think it could turn out some really amazing films. I think they could probably crank out at least like a eight-film franchise.
0: I have – Oh, mixed feelings. I mean, I'm hopeful. I'm really hopeful. I would love to see these classic monsters get more into the immediate pop culture. I mean, people like you and me, we know them. And I'm not saying I want to see a bunch of it in the like hot topic stores or whatever, but I would love to see you know the Universal monsters get their due again. Yeah, you know, to the point to the same level they did before. And you know, when we talk about Johnny Depp being the Claude Rains character, he mentioned earlier being this over the top, all over the place kind of thing. I think Depp can probably do that. As long as he's got somebody kind of sitting on him a little bit to bring him down when he needs to come down a little bit. So, yeah. so not like a Tim Burton type, but somebody who will bring him to where he needs to be to, to pull off the subtlety. I'm, I'm curious. I'm cautiously optimistic.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I can definitely see him delivering like a rain style performance. I, if anything, I mean, not to duplicate or imitate the performance that's given sure. in the original film. And I'm sure they w- will want to bring, make their own mark on it and everything. I think that there's something to be said for at least tributing and revisiting what made the movies great. And part of that is those, those original performances. I don't know. I guess we're going to see what they have for us
0: when, when, when we go to the theater. Well, you know, if nothing else we've got this one to come back to and it's it's a phenomenal film and I think it's gonna hold up to rewatching because you do get the subtleties in the lion's head and you get to see all the different characters. Just really kinda of pay attention to what's going on in the background when you watch this movie listeners, because there's just so much. James Whale, I think, really as much as we love Frankenstein and, and believe me, we love Frankenstein, I think Whale as a director is most on display at his best in movies like this or The Bride of Frankenstein.
5: Yeah. And, you know, they say, uh, I think part of it is when by the time he got to make Invisible Man, he got to make some decisions that the studio wouldn't let him make in Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. Like at Frankenstein, they made him change the ending to a happy ending. And by the time they got to Invisible Man, they're like, okay, you've proven yourself. And they kind of let him do what he wanted. Um, And I think that's one of the reasons maybe uh, this movie has uh, slightly edged out Frankenstein is because you are seeing like an unfettered James Whale. Like he's free, you know?
0: I've compared – and I don't know. I'd like to get your take on this, actually. I've compared Frankenstein and The Bride of Frankenstein specifically to uh, Tim Burton's Batman and Batman Returns.
5: Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> where Batman in the studio
0: is kind of sitting on him a little bit and then Batman yeah. Returns. It's all style and it's all Burton. Yeah. And I feel like that kind of happened here with Whale where, you know, again, he had to sit on him a little bit for Frankenstein. But by the time he gets The Bride and especially this one, yeah, it, it's all thick with his style. It's a very James Whaleian thing. You, you can certainly tell. In the way he moves the camera and the performances he gets out of his actors, Una O'Connor especially, because I mean she's oh, kind of yeah. his go-to. Yeah, and, she's
5: so great. The um, yeah. Speak. You were talking about background little yeah. details in the background. My, I think one of my favorite details in this movie is there is like a glamour shot of Una O'Connor in the Invisible Man's room at the Lion's Head Inn. When, I know, it,
0: right? <laughs> yeah, it's
5: so funny. And I was telling Amy, I'm like, God, I want to ha- I want to track down and see if somebody makes those, <laughs> so I can have one for my house because it's just the best.
0: <laughs> Put it in the guest room yeah so people be like who is that you know
5: it would just make me so happy like really would weed out the cool people because they'd be like oh Uno O'Connor."
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's nice yeah no, I actually the last time I, I watched this last night was the first time i noticed that painting oh yeah it's like yeah. oh that's awesome that's great i love it it's
5: so funny because she's just like she the pose that she's in is it's like I said, very glamour shoddy. And I think they end up breaking it or something gets thrown at it in the movie which draws extra attention to it. And Whale knows he kind of zooms in slightly on the picture when mm-hmm. it's broken, which is extra funny because it's just like a wink to the audience, like, I know this character's ridiculous. You know, maybe you thought you were catching me doing something ridiculous and over the top that I didn't intend, but when I zoom in on this photo, you know, that she's here to make you laugh.
0: Yeah, I think he knew exactly what he was doing. And man, I got to say, listeners, again, if you haven't watched this recently, you got to. There's a reason why I've been sitting on this one for a long time, because it is one of the classics. And I wanted to have a classic podcaster on the show to talk about it. Eh? Eh? Oh, thank you.
5: I'm (laughs) flattered. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I I told Freddie
0: before we started recording, him, I might lay it on a little thick. And Freddie, I got to tell you, man, 10 years of podcasting.
5: Thanks, Ten man. Years, yeah, man. that's it,
0: amazing.
5: It's funny because you know it's a uh, cliche. They say what it's easy when you love what you do. All right. Yeah. It just went by. I mean, when you're compelled to do something, you just don't stop doing it. So, um, something cool I wanted to say before we wrapped up yeah. too. And it's been a really long time since we've like had like a live appearance anywhere um, other than the Horrorhound conventions. But uh, we're recording a live show, and I don't know if this will be out before April 18th but if it is and you are in the Cincinnati area there is a really cool themed bar here called the Overlook Lodge which is themed after Stanley Kubrick's The Shining Oh really Yeah they have all craft cocktails that are all different and they have a rotating cocktail menu and all the cocktails are themed after different things from the movie and they have you know the giant fireplace they have axes on the walls they they have like fabric there's some wallpaper that's made from like the same material that Jack Torrance's jacket is in the movie <laughs> um it's crazy. The level of detail is, is really cool. The owners are having us out there April eighteenth to do a live show. That's a Monday night. Uh they have a DJ from six thirty to seven thirty, then we're on from seven thirty to eight thirty, and then the DJ is back on after us. Wow. But, uh, it's gonna be fun. We're gonna be covering Enemy Mine with uh Dennis Quaid and Lewis Gossett Jr., which is a real fun sci fi movie.
0: Wow. Well that's awesome. Congrats on landing that deal. That's pretty cool.
5: Yeah, I'm really excited. They're really the people that run Jacob Turvino and his fiance Katie are really amazing people who really are doing something really cool there. So, hopefully, anyone in the area, I mean, it's worth driving in, even if you're, you know, in the, just in the tri state area just to see the bar because it's so cool.
0: Right on. Well, listeners, if you're in the area, go check them out and tell them that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. Tell everybody I said hi if you get out there. Yeah, uh, Freddie Mint. I want to thank you for taking the time to do this. This this means a lot to me. It really does. And I I meant what I said earlier. If if that wasn't for you, man, I I wouldn't be here. So you know, all of my success, I I trace back to the very beginning of my podcasting, quote unquote, career. And you were a big part of it. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for being on the show. Ah, who loves you? Ah, you know who loves you, (laughs) brother D. Loves you, man. That's right, brother D. Yeah, I I haven't used in a long time. (laughs) <laughs> I try to do an OB1 thing when somebody calls me that now. I haven't oh. heard that name in a long, long time. Uh. I got to work on it. <laughs> I got to work on my Alec Guinness. Um, awesome. So notlp.com. Yep. It's where people can find you. And uh, I think you guys have a Facebook page, right?
5: If you just do facebook.com <laughs> slash dot com slash <laughs> notlp. Twitter is notlp. And we're on Instagram. But it's on Instagram, it's the entire name spelled out Night of the Living Podcast.
0: And I remember, at one point, didn't you guys own? I know it's been years. This is how long I've been listening to you guys—the greatest podcast ever. Oh,
5: it's a best podcast, best ever.
0: podcast ever. Is it still? That
5: also takes you to the Notop. Is yeah. it still awesome? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I couldn't give that up.
0: You know. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll make sure there's links to all this in the show notes, and I want to make a promise to you and the listeners: Let's not wait three plus years to have you back on.
5: Oh, great! Yeah, I'd love to come back. <laughs> love
0: to yeah we talk about some more monster movies and one of these days if I ever get back out to a horror hound I'd love to get you know, meet up with you guys and hang out oh, and, you
5: know
0: I've got some hugs I haven't given in a long time so I'm just saying
5: I would love that and give my love to your beautiful wife oh I will I will
0: tell the crew I said hey and best of yeah. luck with what's coming up next for nl thanks man <laughs> I want to thank Freddie for taking the time to record with me for Monster Kid Radio. It really has been something I've been wanting to do since before the launch of the show. So, Freddie, thank you so much. And listeners, if you want to listen to one of the original horror podcasts notl is where you're going to want to go. And if you're in the Cincinnati area, like Freddie said, they're doing a live podcast at The Lodge. There's a Facebook event, and there will be a link to the event in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net. Freddie, let's get you back on the show, and let's not wait two and a half years to make it happen. All right. <laughs>
6: here? Why, something's still showing?
1: I say, you're materializing. Go get your clothes off. Why, Professor, I'm ashamed of you. Get me a nurse, get me a doctor, get me something. George, we better get the professor. What for, to cheer up a lot of bedclothes? Come clean about how this machine works, make me invisible. I did not invent that machine to make killers like you invisible.
4: Oh,
6: this is gonna be good. of the noisiest grasshoppers I ever heard. <laughs> Christopher Columbus, were being shot at!
2: Hammer Film Productions began in 1934, and after producing almost 200 films and television programs, the studio is still releasing and re-releasing new and classic film titles. 1951 Downplace is the podcast that brings you the story of the great Hammer films, one movie at a time. Here are your hosts, describing what Hammer means to them. First is Casey.
0: Hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of Hammer Horror, the engaging storytelling, and amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper. The gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces. And
5: finally, here's Scott. Um, well, Hammer means how to get a nail into a block of wood.
2: This boy has a lot to learn. Join our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes and other information about these classic films. 1951 Downplace can be found in iTunes or their website, www.1951downplace.com Should I have said Hammer Pants? 1951 Downplace, the home of Hammer Films discussion.
6: Ghostbreakers Incorporated. You make them, we shake them. Bob Hope speaking. Yes, Paulette Goddard's a partner in this firm. What? You want me to send her around? Ha, ha, ha. Listen, if I could tell Paulette what to do, I wouldn't send her to your house. Sucker. You know, I never knew there were so many ghosts roaming around loose until Paulette and I got into the Ghostbreakers. Believe me, the cat and the canary was a pink tea compared to this picture. It all starts on one terrible night. <laughs> Basil must be giving a party. That's the night that Paulette inherits a ghostly ancient castle off the ghost, I mean the coast of Cuba. The place is filled with mummies and spooks that walk at midnight. There are murders and death warnings planned to frighten Paulette and me, but we ain't frightened. I'll match you to see who faints first. It was Carter's voice. Ah, that's what they're trying to make us believe. such good Ghost Breakers is that we don't believe in ghosts. (laughs) Or do I?
0: That brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. I want to thank everybody for listening, tuning in, downloading, subscribing, Whatever it is you do to listen to podcasts, thank you for doing it. If you are an iTunes user, please consider leaving us a review. Now, MonsterKidRadio.net's where you're going to want to go to find everything else you need to know about the podcast between episodes. You're going to find links to everything that we talked about here on the show, like Night of the Living podcast and their big event coming up on April 18th. We have links to our Facebook group and our Facebook page. Now, the group is where the discussions happen. The page is where I make the announcements. And if you are a Facebook user and you haven't done it yet, I'd like to ask you to like our page on on Facebook. We would love to get to 1,000 likes by the end of the year. It's only April, so there's plenty of time, so help us out, huh? Our contact information is over there on our website as well. Our email address is monsterkidradio at gmail.com, and our phone number is a voicemail line. It's 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5MKR. You can see over on the right at our website a place to put in your email address to subscribe to the Monster Kid Radio Gazette. This is the monthly e-newsletter that comes out at the end of the month, which is a supplement to Monster Kid Radio. There's some fun material in there. I've been doing crosswords the past two months, other articles, just kind of a review of what's going on with the podcast and a preview of what's coming up next. So you can subscribe to that. Also, I always try to put an announcement in of what the next episode of Monster Kid Radio is going to be. This week is no different. You're going to see a trailer over there. For the movie, Rodan. Monster of me is a skyscraper.
2: When he moves, the whole earth quivers and quakes, and an abyss of horror opens up. See these prehistoric beasts emerge from the bowels of the earth after 200 million years to devastate mankind. jets cannot catch him, rockets cannot stop him, armored tanks are helpless before him, even guided missiles are powerless. See Rodin destroy a modern city, leveling it to the earth with a killing airstream of his mighty wings. Nothing can stop him. Nothing escapes this monstrous beast of evil.
0: That's right. I'm going to get my kaiju on here on Monster Kid Radio next week, and I'm not doing it by myself. You see, Rodan's got an anniversary this year. It's a big one. Rodan is 60 years old, and to celebrate it, we are doing a big episode, a roundtable discussion about Rodan, and that's all that's happening next week, and I'm doing it with returning guests Stephen D. Sullivan, Tony Wendell, and a brand new guest to Monster Kid Radio, but somebody that Monster Kid Radio listeners should probably know – it's artist Mark Maddox. He was nominated for a couple of Rondo Awards this year. He produces a podcast of his own, and he's a great guy. I had a lot of fun chatting with these three gentlemen about Rodin, Kaiju films, and just kind of chatting about genre films in general. That's coming next week. And then after that, Stephen D. Sullivan will be coming back to review the nominees for the 2016 Monster Rally Retro Awards. And of course, in May, Lucha de Mayo. That's going to be so much fun. You know what else is fun? The band Los Mysterios. The album is Los Mysterios, Instrumental rock and roll and surf music from another planet. It's on Bandcamp. It's five songs. It's six pounds. They're a European band. They're based out of Spain. Six pounds, that's less than, what, like, $9 U.S.? not really sure. They'll handle the conversion at Bandcamp. Go check them out and check out the song that we're going to play here in a second after I remind you that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC, is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license, except for the song, did Nude, which is from the band Los Mysterios. I was just telling you about them. It appears on the album Los Mysterios, Central rock and roll and surf music from another planet. So check them out and let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you their way. Talk to everybody next week. <laughs>